Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. I am broadcasting today from the studios of Michigan Radio in Ann Arbor, and I want to thank all the folks at Michigan Radio for hosting us here, getting us set up so that uh, we can do the show live from Ann Arbor. Uh, I've also got guests there in Detroit, and I'll get that to that in a minute. But a little later in the show, we're going to have John Mosier, the host of Modern Music on WDET, in for his annual spooky music review uh, of, of the things that he's going to be listening to and wants us to listen to over the Halloween weekend. So you're not going to want to miss that. But first, we're approaching the 10-year anniversary of Michigan's vote to ban affirmative action within publicly funded institutions. Proposal 2, called the Michigan Civil Rights Initiative, passed with 58% of the vote in 2006. It was challenged in federal court, but ultimately it was upheld and deemed constitutional. In 2008, all of Michigan's public colleges and universities were required to stop considering race as a factor in their admissions processes. The argument from universities in favor of affirmative action was that racial diversity is an important part of the higher ed experience. But since 2008, those universities have really struggled to stave off declining enrollment of black undergraduate students in particular. In 2008, 7% of students at the University of Michigan were black. That's down now just to about 5%. Michigan State went from 8% down to 7%. And Wayne State University, the university in the city of Detroit, the city with the highest black population in the state of Michigan, they went from 31% down to 19%. All three declines happened while the black share of the population in the state has steadily increased. Today, I want to talk about those trends and what universities can be doing to combat the loss of black enrollment in a post-affirmative action era. And uh, to join me first to talk about this uh, are two journalists uh, there in Detroit. Karen Dumas is host of The Pulse on 910 AM and a columnist for The Hub. Uh, Steve Neveling is the publisher of the Motor City Muckraker. He has been writing about the black, the decline of black enrollment at Wayne State University recently. Uh, Karen and Steve, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Steve, let's start with you. Uh, you have been writing about what's going on at Wayne State uh, since since the affirmative action ban. The decline there is is more precipitous than it was in other universities. That's partially because Wayne State had more African-American students to begin with. But, uh, but even as a percentage here, you're talking about a huge, huge drop. Talk about what your reporting shows and and get at sort of why this is happening and what the response has been. Sure. Uh, well, one, what I found was from 2009 to 2015, black enrollment dropped by nearly 50%. Now, if you compare that nationwide, uh, black enrollment has actually increased during sure. that period 50%. So Wayne State is going in the opposite direction. Uh, when the students do get here, only the black students only graduate at a 12% rate. Black graduation nationwide at colleges are 42%. At University of Michigan, it's 67%. So not only are fewer African Americans getting into Wayne State, but even fewer are graduating when they get there. Yeah. And, and you know, one way to do that, and, and actually a good example of this is the University of uh, Michigan president recently, recently announced that they're going to be spending $85 million over the next five years to boost diversity. Um, that's one of the things that needs to happen. And you also, uh, in order to, to increase these graduation rates, um, 
you need to ensure that there are um, that there, that these universities are offering academic and financial support and retention programs. Uh, if you don't do that, uh, the not only are the enrollment n- numbers going down, but um, you're also going to see uh, a lower retention rate at these colleges. And you know right. an- another problem here too is Wayne State has uh, disproportionately raised its uh, tuition. Um, it was about 152 percent tuition increase since 2003. And there's been studies that found that uh, black students disproportionately are affected by uh, in, by uh, incre- increased tuition. Uh, sure. So because poverty is more prevalent. Right. Right. Americans. There was a study sure. that found that 69 percent of African-Americans who drop out of college do so because of high student loan rates. So, I mean, you're ta- yeah. looking at two thirds of the students who are in black students who are in college actually have to drop out because they can't afford uh, to stay there. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about the coverage of Wayne in particular is is its location, the fact that it's in the city of Detroit and and the fact that it has this this mission that that it would describe, I think, as as being focused on uh, urban education and urban opportunity that that drop, of course, sort of pushes back against that notion and and suggests that there that the there is a particular challenge that Wayne may not be may not be figuring out how to how to meet here. Yeah, and I think you know they're starting to to try to work a little bit more. I don't think that it's their effort is you know as sincere and as strong as they may want people to believe. Um, but yeah, I mean we have a prestigious university right here in Detroit, and um, you know if we want to keep black students and um, we want to keep um, the black population from Detroit from declining. We need to ensure that this that a lot of these students who receive substandard K to twelve education are able to get into universities like Wayne State because it it really is the you know the cultural and educational seat of of Detroit, and you know so it's very difficult uh, to do that unless there's a very concerted concerted effort to get those students into the school. Um, right now, Wayne State is focusing a lot more on out of state and international students. Um, those people come here, they graduate, and they leave. Now, students in Detroit who have these substandard educations, they tend to stay when they graduate from college, and then they can contribute because we always talk about Detroit's future and, and the disparity between downtown, midtown, and the neighborhoods. In order to reduce that disparity, there needs to be more college graduates. There's got to be opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Karen Dumas, uh, you're a host of The Pulse on 910 AM, but also a Detroiter and someone who raised two kids in the city of Detroit and sent them off to college at the very time that that universities and colleges in, in the state were told to stop using affirmative action, stop considering race in their admissions process. Uh, talk about how that looked from your seat as a parent. Uh, just as as you were trying to get your kids off to to the opportunities that they might have in college, this idea that that Michigan was turning a different way in terms of diversity. Well, I think it has to do with the conversation and the value of education, Stephen. You know, I mean, we've always worked to make sure that our kids had a good education. They were in private school from day one. Uh, My daughter went to public school for one year. Uh, Unfortunately, that translated into like a waste of time, in, in my opinion. 
Um, but we we worked hard to make sure they had a good education and they understood the value, the purpose, and the importance of education. Um, and so, you know, academically, uh, they didn't have any issues. Uh, financially, they didn't have any issues. Um, I understand that that's not everybody's opportunity. Um, yeah. But I do think it, it starts with the conversation. I don't think that we discuss enough the purpose of education, what education is actually for. Um, sometimes people think, oh, you just go to school because you, you have to, and then how to maximize where you are, wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Karen Dumas, host of The Pulse on 910 AM and a columnist for The Hub, and Stephen Eveling, who's the publisher of the Motor City Muckraker. We're talking about the decline in black enrollment at Michigan's colleges and universities, specifically the three largest universities we have, University of Michigan, Michigan State, and Wayne State University, since the passage of Proposal 2 in 2006, when they were told, they could no longer consider race as a factor in admissions. The black enrollment at those universities has gone down nowhere more precipitously, in fact, than at Wayne State University, the university that is located in the city of Detroit. If you want to join the conversation, uh, talk about what that means, talk about uh, what we ought to be doing uh, in a post-affirmative action era. I'm not someone who believes we could uh, very easily go back to uh, allowing universities to, uh, to to consider race, given that it was a popular vote uh, in the state of Michigan that, that decided we wouldn't do that. So now that we can't use affirmative action, what are the things that colleges and universities can do or should be doing to make sure that there is uh, equal opportunity for African-Americans in the state of Michigan. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page uh, and put a comment there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Steve, you mentioned this uh, up front, this, this problem that we also have uh, with substandard education being uh, afforded to kids in the city of Detroit in the first place. Uh, Wayne seems uh, seems sort of caught, uh, Wayne and the other universities, in fact, seem sort of caught in, in kind of a, a vexing situation then, uh, in part because of that, that uh, the, the, the resources you need to make sure that kids who maybe haven't had the opportunities they should have in K-12, to make sure that they can be successful at the college level, that's a really steep burden for a university to meet. And it's a different kind of burden than you would see in other, in other places. How much of this is about that, that gap uh, versus the, 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 the other things that, that are going on? Well, you know, one part of if you look at what University of Michigan did when they announced that they're going to spend eighty-five million dollars over the next five years trying to boost uh, diversity, uh, one of the things you need to do is you need to be vested in the community. Um, there needs to be Wayne State needs to have a bigger presence in uh, DPS um, and in the charter schools in Detroit, and to find these really bright students who um, you know might might not be shining because they have a substandard education um, and and sort of get those students prepared uh, for college before um, you know before they graduate from high school, so they have the GPA and they can have the standardized test scores that are needed to get into the school. Um, you know that's that's one way of doing it. Um, you really need to focus on, on on recruiting students in Detroit. And when the shift at Wayne State went from 
uh, Detroit and the, and Metro Detroit and shifted to international students, out of state students, that that was a big problem. And then you also have you know the, where, how, where where are the resources going to come from? Um, you know, President Wilson just got a twenty five thousand dollar bonus um, at a time when black enrollment is going down. I mean, you have to, at the same time administrators continue to get raises there. Um, so I think Wayne State needs to make take a look at how they're spending money and say, are we more concerned about our own salaries than we are uh, increasing black enrollment and making Wayne State an important part of the comeback in Detroit? Well, yeah. it, if I can say Go something, ahead, you yeah. know, certainly let, let me say this in all due fairness. I think Wayne State has done a tremendous job as it relates to the investment and the stability uh, economically and, and, and the redevelopment component. Of 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 uh, Detroit of the city, I, yeah. Sure. I mean, they have long been ignored, and I've said that for a long time because they've very quietly stabilized, you know, a core part of the city. But I think that educationally, you know, that conversation has to happen on so many levels, um, not just from the university's perspective. Yes, that outreach, that partnership with the public and charter and even private schools to let them know that Wayne State um, is a viable or can be a viable alternative or, or option for education. But a lot of times everybody thinks about going away outside, you know, uh, of, of their immediate area. This is home. You know, people want to grow. And so they do want to go. Um, I was looking at some of the um, the salaries of some of the other university presidents, his is pretty low um, comparatively. Not not compared to colleges that size. Well, and, and, and I'm even looking like in here in Michigan. Yeah. But uh, what really threw me off was that coaches of our universities are <laughs> yeah, getting right. an astronomical. So yeah, that sends yeah. a different message too. And I understand what you're saying because it should be. But colleges our businesses, and that's what people don't understand. I mean, it is almost like the the healthcare industry, and so some of the onus has to be on whether it's the individual, the family, or the community at large. I don't think that we, um, as a community of color, talk enough about what education can do about preparation, um, and in terms of making sure that our kids coming out of school at every level are prepared to compete. And I think yeah. that's where the emphasis needs to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let's go to the phones here. We got uh, a lot of folks who want to join this conversation. Chime in. Uh, line one, Keith in Detroit. Keith. Hey. Good morning. To Love today. the show. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Keith. So I got you. a comment. So we're talking about affirmative action. Affirmative action. Affirmative action has always existed, right? Uh, when, whenever people say it, they they associate it with blacks and minorities, but sure. affirmative action. Uh, you know, we're talking about things like legacies. And uh, wealth disparities, with, which always has created somewhat of an unfair advantage to people um, and allowed them opportunities that uh, people otherwise wouldn't have in similar yeah. circumstances or positions. Keith, that's that's a great point, and in fact, uh, I have said many times that that you know the the uh, we've had affirmative action forever. The the system was affirmative to keep blacks out uh, for a long time uh, before uh, the the 1970s. Uh, you think of the opportunities that were given to white people, in, in not just in education, but in other places that were denied to African Americans. I mean, that's a form of affirmative action as well. Um, you know, uh, Karen and and Steve, this idea of Evening up opportunities is really at the at the base of this conversation. I mean, it's the thing that that we are not able 
we're not able to do quite yet. And, and uh, you know, getting rid of affirmative action, of course, is a step in the, in the opposite direction. But we just haven't figured out what direction to go instead. Well, you know, another thing, too, Steve, let me say this when we talk about preparation. Before we came on, I was having a conversation. Um, kids aren't ready to go to college. And when they come out of college, they aren't necessarily ready. I was talking about someone that used to be on my staff that um, had a, a degree in English from the University of Michigan that could not write. Um, a person that was uh, doing a, a, a senior project that had a full scholarship to the University of Michigan and didn't know how to spell demolition. So, you know, again, I go back to the business model. You know, there's also still a processing um, of, of students that are coming through. So we don't even just need to look at how to get them there, but how to make sure that they're there, prepared to benefit from being there, and then prepared to um, compete if and when they graduate. But, but I mean, and I get what you're saying about people, you know, uh, not being prepared for the level of college work once they get to college, I, mean, I think that's that's common uh, among lots of different kinds of populations. I don't think that's just African-Americans. I mean, I think if you go to these universities, you see lots of kids showing up who are not quite ready for the level of work. How much how much responsibility, though, should the universities be taking for that? I mean, what should the universities be doing to make sure that that opportunity still exists, that the opportunity doesn't close because you're not ready. Well, I think, you know, there is a study that was done by the Education Trust that found that you can lessen that achievement gap with uh, academic and financial support and also retention programs. Um, you know, you, if, if we look at it as a business, um, then Wayne State needs to do a, do a better job with this business. Black graduation, again, nationwide, uh, is 42%. That's the 42%. Up, yeah. yeah, it's going up. 67% of University of Michigan black students are graduating. At Wayne State, just 12%. That's something that is such so starkly different from the national trends and from the University of Michigan that something isn't going right at, at Wayne We're State. We're doing something wrong. There's yeah. so, definitely something going wrong. And, and I've talked to a lot of black students, and a lot of and another part of the problem was is they don't always feel... Um, like it's their home or and part of that reason is is they're not there's not enough diversity among faculty and uh, just during a recent board meeting um, the university admitted that they weren't uh, teaching uh, professors um, how to hire new professors who may be people of color or how to reach out to find more people of color who are just as talented as you know the, the white ones that they're right. bringing in. That, that's part of the equation as well, no question. And I think um, there's so many industries. Yeah, I think there's so many institutions that's, that that struggle with that same thing. And and Steve, you're right. I mean, I've had conversations with a couple professors um, here at Wayne State, and they do talk about um, uh, the lack of retention. You know what needs to happen to keep the students here. So I mean, I think that it, that's a conversation that needs to happen with everybody who is interested in, committed to, or somehow has their hand in education. And I mean, that's the K through 12, um, maybe the community college, you know, uh, colleges, sometimes that can be the the transition or the bridge, you know, to uh, secondary um, institutions. But I think there needs to be a comprehensive discussion about what students need. Um, you know, are, are, are the public schools talking to Wayne State in terms of what the expectations are so that their preparation is, is doing that? Uh, maybe yeah. there's a severe disconnect there. Yeah. Uh, let's go to line two, Stephanie in West Bloomfield. Welcome to Detroit today. Thanks for having me. Okay, yeah, so I have a I have a question actually. Has there yeah. ever been legislation that's been proposed to the state of Michigan to kind of level out 
the um, financial terms for public education. So, you know, as far as going back to the root of the problem, um, you know, you see often that kids, urban kids, you know, city of Detroit, obviously, for example, um, they don't have the financial resources to give them a standard education. It's usually substandard, which then hurts their test scores and their grades and hurts them getting into colleges when affirmative action is not used. So has there ever been anything that's proposed, been proposed to kind of divvy out the, the tax money that's used for education to help these kids get their education up to par? Stephanie, that's a great that's mm-hmm. a great question. Uh, I'll take the first crack at that. Certainly, in the state of Michigan, we have not had that conversation in any sort of earnest way. But I think you, there are some other states we can look at as models for that. One of them is is Massachusetts, where William Weld, when he was the governor of Massachusetts, re reconstituted the entire way that they funded schools and came up with a formula that sent more money to impoverished districts like Boston. The Boston public schools look a lot, uh, in terms of their makeup, like the Detroit public schools. They get a lot more money from the state than wealthier districts do. And, of course, the, the result of that is that black kids in the city of Boston often uh, achieve at higher levels than uh, white suburban kids do in other states. It's not that they are doing as well as white suburban kids in Massachusetts, uh, but it, but they are ahead of kids in other states. And it, it proves that it works, that, that if you do shift resources uh, to attack poverty and to attack the effects of poverty, it matters, and the outcomes end up uh, end up being different. Uh, Karen and Steve, I'll give you a chance to answer that question too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you know, if you look at Wayne State, um, if you're an alumni of Wayne State, you know that you get calls a lot of times asking uh, ask for money. Uh, usually, it's for building, you know, it's, whether it's for buildings or whether it's to boost, um, you know, education in a certain program. But one thing that's really lacking at Wayne State is scholarship programs uh, for people who are disadvantaged, come from you know financially challenged uh, backgrounds or families. That needs to happen at a much larger scale. There needs to be more effort placed on scholarships for students who otherwise couldn't afford to school because we don't want to lose bright students who can contribute back to, back to Detroit after they graduate if they can't afford... If there's just money this, is yeah, the issue, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so there really does need to be... Uh, more of an outreach effort to try to get that scholarship money um, instead of trying to get money, um, you know, for new buildings and and, and stuff like that. I mean, with Mike Gillich uh, spending, you know, millions of dollars on a new school, you had other people spending, you know, uh, millions of dollars. But where are the where are the people who uh, would be giving that kind of money to students uh, who are disadvantaged? Yeah. Great question. Uh, Karen, go ahead. Well, I think there's also some some socioeconomic things that need to be taken into consideration, too, uh, when we talk about retention. And, and again, I know we're talking about Wednesday, but I'm thinking, you know, just in general, um, because that's always an issue, uh, a challenge for people, not just in the K through 12. I mean, for a lot of students, but also um, at, at the university level um, as well. And, and I do agree with Steve. There should be scholarships um, uh, made available. But we talk about those people who have gone on or graduated, whether it's Wayne State or any other school and reinvesting back in that school. Stephen, you know, you're an alum from University of Detroit Jesuit, you know, and they have mm-hmm. a very strong network and and reinvesting sure. back into the school and students. And so people have to think that they've gotten something out of where they've been in order to want to put something back. 
All right, uh, Steve Neveling, publisher of Motor City Muckraker, Karen Dumas, host of The Pulse on 9, 10 a.m. and a columnist for The Hub. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Steve. Absolutely. We miss you. We'll see you next yeah. time. <laughs> I'll see you guys next time when you're in the studio, right? All right, thanks. All right. Thanks, Steve. Uh, up next, uh, we're going to talk with some university officials about what they're doing to address declining minority enrollment. And uh, we'll keep you on the lines, uh, on the calls. Tom in Detroit, uh, staying on the line. We're going to get to you. Stay with us on Detroit Today. News, culture, community, every day on 1019 WDET, a different kind of public radio. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. We're talking today about the declining minority enrollment at at universities and colleges across the state of Michigan after the passage of Proposal 2 in 2006, which prohibited those universities from using race as a factor in their considerations for admissions. Uh, Joining me now to talk about this from the university perspective is uh, Robert Sellers. He's the Vice Provost for Equity and Inclusion and Chief Diversity Officer here at the University of Michigan. And Monica Brockmeyer, she's the Assistant Provost for Student Success at Wayne State University. Rob and Monica, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And stay with us on the phones, the 313-577-1019. It's 313-577-1019. How important is diversity to the college experience? How important was it to your college experience uh, if you went to college here in the state of Michigan? And what do you think colleges and universities here could be doing to make they make their minority enrollment uh, more robust, how can they attack this attack on affirmative action to make sure that it doesn't eclipse opportunity for Black students here in the state of Michigan? Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, leave your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Rob, I'm going to start with you uh, here in, at the University of Michigan, where the president announced recently that uh, he wants to spend $85 million over uh, a period of time trying to address this uh, this issue of diversity on campus, raise the numbers, yeah. also deal with, I think, uh, some, some environmental climate kinds of issues in terms of the celebration and acknowledgement of diversity. Talk about how that $85 million should be spent to be effective at raising numbers that that, uh, since 2006 we've seen the university really struggle with. Mm -hmm. Well, we're focusing 
not only on diversity, but we're also uh, we also recognize that equity and inclusion, having a climate that is equitable and inclusive, is extremely important. That you can't uh, have a diverse uh, student body uh, without also uh, having an environment that is uh, welcoming, that is inclusive, that sees them, uh, that that sees all students as important contributors to the university. So we're uh, doing a number of different things to try to broaden access. So when we think about this, we think about the idea that talent um, is something that is equally distributed throughout, looking for talented youth, talented youth are everywhere. Uh But the opportunity to get to the University of Michigan isn't necessarily equally distributed. So we're trying to broaden that opportunity. So one program that we're um, uh, very proud of is the Wolverine Pathways program, which is a outreach program through 7th through 12th grade uh, students. Right now we're in Ypsilanti and Southfield. Uh, with a plan to come to Detroit in fall of 17. And students who participate in this uh, program, which again provides supplemental education uh, uh, for these kids and uh, also their parents are uh, a part of the program, those kids who uh, complete the program, who apply to the university and are admitted are guaranteed uh, four years of uh, tuition uh, free scholarship as well as uh, all other uh, financial aid that they uh, might be eligible for. So we're trying to um, not only look at how we're um, handling our admissions process, but to actually reach out and provide more uh, avenues to the university. Yeah. Uh, Monica, I want to give you a chance to talk about what's going on there at uh, Wayne State University. The numbers that I shared uh, up front about the minority enrollment suggest that this is an urgent issue at Wayne State. I want to I talk to you about what things you guys have identified as uh, possible ways to, to sort of push back against that trend. Yeah, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to agree with um, my colleague at Michigan that at Wayne State, we also um, view uh, equity and inclusion as uh, equally important. So when we talk um, about African-American students at Wayne State, we're not just talking about the numbers, but also the quality of their experience. You know, our, Michi- our mission says uh, that we prepare a diverse uh, population to thrive. And so Um, as associate provost for student success, um, for me, a lot of that, what we're talking about, again, just not not just the numbers, but making sure that we provide the context where students will thrive. And we believe that um, then the numbers will follow. And we are are challenged in the ways um, that that you've mentioned and the previous guest um, mentioned, but we all do still remain the most diverse uh, campus in the state of Michigan. 19% Uh, is your African-American percentage, right? Yeah. And so um, over the past five years um, in our student success initiative, we've made many, many investments that really form the foundation um, for support um, and for um, boosting the success of African-American students. We've hired advisors across the campus. Um, In the last uh, couple of years, we've added a chief diversity officer and launched our office of um, multicultural student engagement uh, to support a broader aspect of the students' um, experiences in college. Uh, We have new leadership um, from the top, um, President Wilson, um, our new provost, Keith Whitfield, um, all the way down. Um, We are are laser focused on on these issues. 
Um, moving forward, um, some of the initiatives um, that I want to mention, um, our APEX Scholars Program, uh, the director there um, informs me that um, there is no bridge program in the state of Michigan that um, has the depth of support um, than what he experiences here um, at Wayne State. We're extending the support in that program um, from the first 30 credits um, through four years to degree uh, or however long it takes. Um, we're look, noticing that students in that program are succeeding at higher rates than um, students who don't have that support. And so we're putting together more um, proactive, uh, coordinated uh, support in which we um, pri prioritize uh, students at the highest level of academic risk and track their outcomes uh, more carefully. Yeah. Um, on the recruiting side, um, Definitely, we um, just had a new have a new enrollment management um, AVP come on, um, and the mission there is one of radical hospitality. So through our recruiting, really looking to um, uh, meet with students and engage with them more personally. Yeah, talk about uh, both of you. In fact, talk about how confounding this challenge is. I mean, the the Prop Two is almost like a set of handcuffs. I feel like that's been placed on the universities in in terms of being able to do the things that that might raise the percentages of, of African Americans on campus and there's no question that, that that its passage is is behind the drop in numbers but but if you can't do it that way how how difficult is it to come up with other ways that will have the same effect Monica I'll start with you yeah, so um, it is a challenge, um, not just in Michigan, um, but nationally. We know that soon the United States is going to be a minority-majority country, and so educating um, our black and brown students is really not just something we do for their good, but for the good of our, our country, our workforce, and our democracy. So um, this is an urgent challenge. So the first thing I want to offer um, is that it's important to really consider this in an ecosystem kind of way. Um, so as institutions, um, we partner with each other, um, we um, have different roles. And so, for example, uh, one important um, partnership are our relationships with community colleges. As university um, grows more expensive due to changes not only in the state funding level, um, but the federal financial aid environment, um, for many students, um, a collaboration, a, a pathway from community college to a four-year university um, uh, makes sense. And we notice that um, the proportion of, of black students coming from community college to Wayne State is rising. Uh, go ahead, Rob. So I would uh, absolutely agree there that we have been handcuffed in many ways in terms of some of the uh, traditional uh, ways and uh, also understanding that we're also competing with other institutions nationally who don't have the same uh, set of handcuffs with regards to going after extremely talented African-American um, students. And so we have to be creative uh, and we have to be creative in ways that we know how to be creative. So we look at models that exist on campus in terms of aggressive recruit, recruiting. Um, uh, the, perhaps the most successful is the uh, athletic department. So with the athletic department, we don't just sit back and uh, take applications uh, for uh, membership on the football team. We go out, we recruit, we make relationships, uh, long-lasting relationships, understanding that uh, the five-star athlete might not be there this year, 
but we're building for four or five years down the line. Yeah. And we're also invested in uh, trying to um, improve the uh, educational opportunities at, again, the uh, K through 12 level wherever we can. So our partnerships that play out within our school of education and throughout our campus, uh, we have to also use those not only as outreach efforts, uh, but also as recruiting um, pipelines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Uh, let's go to line one. Julie, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, uh-huh. I have a question. Um, my son is a senior in the Birmingham school system, which I recognize is a very good school system. But he and yeah. I had a conversation actually within the last 24 hours. I'm Caucasian, but he said, I noticed I do not see very many African-American students taking advantage of the AP classes within our school system. Now, granted, they're a minority in that school system and in his yeah. school, but how do, we, how do we change this? I mean, is it a cultural phenomenon? How do we address this issue of perhaps even not taking advantage, African-American students not taking advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them? Uh, great question, Julie. Uh, Rob and Monica, talk about the – I think what Julie is really getting at here is the preparation for college, being in a position to be able to, to compete, to get a spot at Wayne State or University of Michigan. When you are a senior, a lot of African-American kids, first of all, go to schools where those AP courses are not even offered. Uh, that's that's one thing. But, but even where they are, as Julie's pointing out, in a, a district like Birmingham, you just don't see a lot of kids in there. Is that something that we can, is that something that the universities can be involved in doing something about, Rob? Well, so one of the reasons why, for instance, in our Wolverine Pathways program that we uh, have strong parent involvement is that we want to also educate parents with regards to what it takes to um, uh, be competitive at a school like the University of Michigan for admissions. So uh, preparing for college doesn't start in the 11th grade or the 12th grade. It starts as early as the 7th grade and even earlier than that. So decisions about uh, when one takes or if one takes calculus has a huge impact with regard to uh, their opportunities, let alone AP and uh, other uh, courses. And so it's important that uh, we as institutions of higher education interact with parents, interact with uh, school districts uh, to make sure that the messages with regard to what it takes to get to college are e- evenly distributed. Similarly, another uh, potential um, uh stumbling block is understanding uh, the financial cost of college and what uh, what is affordable and what is not affordable. Yeah. So an institution uh, like the University of Michigan, many students assume that it's out of their um, uh, affordability range, when in fact we are uh, extremely affordable for in-state uh, students, particularly uh, lower income and middle income uh, students and have a great deal of support. So our, our Hale program is designed specifically to uh, let 
uh, promising students know exactly where they stand with regards to financial aid and that, uh, in effect, uh, given a certain uh, income level, uh, the, they, they, in effect, would pay absolutely nothing. Almost nothing. Yeah. 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 Uh, Monica Brockmeyer, Assistant Provost uh, for Student Success at Wayne State University. What about this idea of preparation for uh, life at a campus like Wayne State? Black students not getting those opportunities in K-12. Clearly, that is the case, that many um, students um, come from school environments that have not adequately prepared them. Um, at Wayne State, we have literally dozens and dozens of programs uh, which reach into the schools. Uh, our TRIO programs, our Gear Up school programs have heavy involvement in DPS schools. Our College of Education um, does as well. Um, our recruiting, we have academic success center outreach programs. And we have complement that with dozens, literally dozens of out-of-school, after-school programs. But I have to say that um, providing information to parents and to students is only part of the problem um, or part of the solution because mm -hmm. um, there's real learning needs that um, students may come to college um, not yet met, even though they have um, uh, great academic potential. So in many cases, we when students come to college, we have to... Um, teach them how to be college students. They may have great um, potential academically, but not understand that what it, what it means to declare a major. And so at Wayne State, we really um, meet the students where they are and teaching them from before um, they're admitted and through our orientation um, what those those things are. And I want to mention the economic barriers as well. Um, so, and here's another area where, where education um, is and financial literacy is really, really critical, but, but may not be enough. At Wayne State, we give a higher percentage than just about anybody of, of institutional funds um, to support um, uh, uh, needy students. We've um, revamped our financial aid policy so that uh, fewer of our students will have unmet need gaps. And so, um, like Michigan, I think um, students may find that, um, that there's support here that, that they might not know about. And we have um, uh, scholarship money, our Berman Scholarship, Crossing the Finish Line, um, specifically um, to help students from Detroit um, who are in their senior year make it over that hump. So um, the universities, um, again, have a great opportunity and are already making big investments um, to provide those supports. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, line one, Teresa in Gross Point Woods. Teresa, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you so much. I've, I've sure. never called on a radio station before, but uh, oh, there you so, go. so much to my heart. Um, I uh, recently retired after 35 years in education. I, I taught and was a counselor in Hamtramck in Hazel Park and spent the last 15 years as a high school counselor at Harrison High School in Farmington Hills. And so I was able to see a very wide range of diversity and educational opportunities. Um, I think it's awesome that colleges are, are, you know, given the charge of trying to retain and do the best that they can once the student reaches the university level. But I think there's a lot of pressure on colleges to do this when it's really like the end result after the child has experienced K through 12. And having been in Detroit school systems and, and, you know, seeing the complete difference in a Farmington school system, for example, sure. I, I can't help but feel that there would be 
far more uh, a greater pool of diversity uh, that would be eligible if they were given a fair shake, but they're not. I mean, there are kids that, and I hear it all the time, um, there are teachers that say, my God, you know, in our Spanish class, for example, there have been five substitute teachers for the first four months. Now, right. this, isn't right. in, this isn't in Farmington Hills. This is in Detroit and in Southfield. And, you know, how can they possibly pull from a, a large group when the kids are not being given the fair opportunity? Right. No, no, I think that's a, Teresa, that is a, that is a fabulous point. Uh, Rob Sellers and Monica Brockmeyer, talk about how much of this is a K-12 problem and cannot be solved unless we deal with that K-12 problem. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on the universities to deal with something that they are not creating. Right. right. Well, clearly this has to be a uh, system-wide, literally, we're, we're, we're talking pre-K, uh, not just K-12, but pre-K all the way through higher education. Uh, and I do believe that we as uh, institutions of higher education, particularly public institutions of higher education, do have a responsibility. We can't completely wash our hands of it and say, ah, that's the uh, K-12 problem. All we can do is uh, pluck from the uh, products that they've uh, provided. There's a lot of uh, partnerships that we've uh, been uh, doing, uh, again, uh, throughout uh, the university with various uh, districts to try to provide more educational opportunities opportunity because the talent is there and in any way shape and form that we can if we can provide that talent with the same kinds of exposures around education that uh, uh, kids in other um, environments have it not only benefits the kids but ultimately it benefits us as a uh, institution of higher education because we're not uh, uh, diversity is not simply a uh, charitable act. It is fundamental to our ability to actually achieve academic excellence at uh, higher education. If we don't have a more diverse um, student body, then our educational experience suffers for everyone. So we, just as anything uh, else that's important that gets in the way of our educational mission, we develop plans and strategies and commitments to um, uh, overcome those barriers. The same thing has to play out with regards to the K through 12. Yeah. Clearly, K through 12, uh, we all need to play a major role in this uh, particular system. Yeah, um, Monica Brockmeyer, I'm going to give you the last word. Yeah, here. I just um, want to echo that um, that. Um, while there's definitely challenges in K-12 and pre-K-12, and we could take it back to have concerns about prenatal care, um, none of us um, uh, can't, are shirking our duties in um, doing what we can and what we must do from where we are to make sure um, really that the world gets the benefit of the talent that these students have to offer. Yeah. Okay. Rob Sellers, Vice Provost for Equity and Inclusion, Chief Diversity Officer here at the University of Michigan, and Monica Brockmeyer, Assistant Provost for Student Success at Wayne State University. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Up next, we're going to get to the spooky Halloween music that John Mosier, host of Modern Music on WDET, shares with us every year. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Mm-hmm.